It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, got your hug. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the Giants huddle. I'm Paul Dottino. Today we'll hear from former Pro Bowl safety Antrell Roll as the franchise unveils plans for its 10th anniversary celebration of the 2011 Super Bowl champions. The Super Bowl 46 Giants were built on leadership, chemistry, and discipline. Elements Roll says he's glad to see current coach Joe Judge try to instill with today's squad. Oh, uh, without a doubt, I understand the value of having that first because you need guys. You need, more important, you need leaders. You know, the, the good players are going to come. You know, the good players have already been there. Um, you know, maybe there's a couple pieces missing, and, you know, that's within every organization. But when you have a leader that can go out there and, and, and set the tone and have everyone else follow, a leader a leader is no one if he's one man standing alone. And, and that's what everyone has to understand. It doesn't matter who that one person is. He's no one if he's standing alone. But if it's 52 men standing behind him, now he's, he's that much more powerful. You know, he's extraordinary. He, he's that guy. And the reason he is that guy is because he brought the two other men up to par. And that's what it's all about. You know, it's not about one person or, or, or two people or three people or even ten people. No, it's about all 53. It's about the coaching staff being on the same page. It's about, you know, the, 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 the cafeteria being on the same page, you know, cooking nutritious meals, making sure that we get the best nutrients to our body. It's about the video staff, you know, making sure that they're giving us the right colors, making sure that we, we have all the players that we need to in order to go out there and be successful on Sunday. So it takes everyone. It takes everyone from the top to the bottom. It's, there's no one man that can go out there and, and lead a team to a Super Bowl. There's not one person that can go out there and get it done by himself. But, it, but when you have everyone collectively within the organization, now you're talking about a powerful unit. And, Trell, at what point during the 2011 season did you believe that that team had everything that it was going to take to be a champion. We know you started at 6-2. and two. Then you had that rough month in the middle of the season. I remember the heartbreaking loss to San Francisco, among others, the heartbreaking loss to Green Bay. And then there was that game in Dallas with the JPP block field goal that kind of changed things. But But where did you start to sense that it was going to happen because the run down the stretch and then the course in the postseason was just incredible. Uh, to be completely honest with you, I didn't know. I knew that we had, you know, skilled players and very talented players at, at many positions. Um, I didn't know what we were capable of until we played the Jets at home, the second to the last game of the season. Um, and in that moment, it wasn't the talent level that made me think that way. It wasn't the talent level. It was more so of the attitude. It was more so of the fight. It was more so of the, the, the tenacious dog that I saw within our team. I saw that our team wanted it. I saw that we wanted it. And at that point in time, I knew that we would do whatever it took in order to be victorious on any given Sunday. Um, so like I said, it wasn't the, the plays. It wasn't the miraculous plays. It wasn't uh, you know, the time that we had at several different positions, it was the attitude that I saw. It was, um, guys going out there and, and being relentless. It was guys going out there and honestly putting it on the line 
for the guy next to them. And, and, and when I saw guys making certain sacrifices in order to be successful, I knew then that we had a shot, you know, and, and, and I think that's what honestly gave me the mindset that I had that I was going to do anything and everything. And I was going to literally exhaust myself to the absolute limit in order to try to be successful for this team and be successful for the guys next to me. And I'm pretty sure there were 52 other guys, you know, including our scout team guys who honestly do not get enough credit for that season. You know, those guys were everything. Those guys made sure that we were over-prepared for the game come Sunday. Those guys did such an amazing job of preparing us and running routes and honestly giving us 200% balls our effort to make sure that our games, you know, were going to go as, as we planned. Well, it seemed to me, and correct me if my memory's wrong, Antrell, wasn't it the week leading into that Jets game where you had the meeting with, with John Paul Gonzalez, the, the, who came up with the whole chips to the middle of the table, and, and Justin, you know, said, oh, yeah, that's all in? And, and I mean, what did that mean to you at the time? And in retrospect, as you think back, how critical was that? Uh, you know, for a guy like me, it, it, it meant everything. Uh, it meant growing up. It meant not being a selfish player. It meant doing whatever and whatever you need to do on a personal level on and off the field to make sure that you're ready come Sundays. If it meant calling out teammates, if it meant, you know, taking, getting shots taken at you in the headline medias, it didn't matter what it took. All in meant all in. All in meant getting your guys on the same page at the same time, no matter what, no matter what the sacrifices may be. And, um, you know, it, it was just something that I was willing to do. You know, one thing about me, and, and not to just speak about myself, but one thing about me personally is I pay attention to each and every single person and every single thing around me. So I knew what it took in order to get the, the, the guts and the glory out of, out, out of our team. I knew what it took to get the guts and the glory out of myself. You know, even myself, you know, I had to put down my own, uh, selfish rhymes and reasons and, and, and go and play the nickel position. Did I want to play it? Absolutely not. But did I know that that was going to give us the best chance at winning? Yes, I knew that. So it all started with me, you know, going and telling the coach, look, I'll play the nickel position. In order for us to be successful, you know, we need to have Kenny, we need to have Deion Grant in at all times. We need to have myself and Nickel, you know, and we're going to rock best that way because that's what's going to confuse the team. That's going to give us our best chance at winning. I understood that they wanted to play Prince Mukamara. He was a first-round pick. But to be honest with you, Prince wasn't ready at the time. You know, he wasn't ready. You know, always been a talented player. But at that point in time, for what we were trying to do and what we were trying to accomplish, Prince wasn't ready for that smoke. And, 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 you know, and that's just as clear as I can get it. He wasn't ready for that smoke. And, you know, the other guys, we were. You know, we were ready. We were up for the challenge. And at that point in time, we had to do whatever we needed to do in order to be successful. But all in is written on my chest. It's tattooed on my chest. It's not going anywhere. You know, for me, it means everything. It meant, you know, sacrificing yourself. It means sacrificing your own selfish needs at once for the betterment of the team. So that's what all in means for me, throwing in all the poker chips, laying it all in line, putting it all on the table. So when you see your teammates at the reunion later on this season, October 17th, the Giants are playing the Rams at home, and there's going to be a reunion to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of your championship team, 
What kind of feelings do you think are going to run through you when you see some of these guys, understanding the emotions that you went through and the connection you had to them in acquiring the championship ring? Oh, man, you know, it's going to be a, a wild wind of emotions, you know, I'm sure going through everyone's body because, you know, we did something that a lot of players who's played this game can cannot say that they've done. And, uh, you know, we had a few guys on that team that has done it multiple times. So, um, you know, it, it just means that just that, you know, like we're all in. You know, we ain't online. Well, we the best team in football. Absolutely not. I'll be the first person to say we weren't the best team. We weren't the best team in football. <laughs> but what happened was we gelled at the right time. We started clicking at the right time. We started believing in one another at the right time. And when you have, when you have all three of those cylinders clicking, now you have what you call an opportunity. And we all know, you know, once you get that opportunity, you're either going to make the best of it or you're not. And what we did was we made the best of our opportunity. And, you know, because of that, we were Super Bowl 46 champions. You know, it's funny, Entrell. A lot of people, they, they forget that it takes three phases of the game to win, not just offense and defense, but obviously special teams also. And then so much of the game is emotional and mental, not just physical. I mean, I look at all three aspects of that team, and I see the emotion of a, of a, of a Jacobs and of a Bradshaw and of a Cruz that could spark you guys offensively. And then I look at defensively, the, the, the spark that you guys could have. I mean, even the Chase Blackburn, who was not the most athletic guy in the world, picks off Tom Brady in the Super Bowl like 50 yards downfield. Some of the, some of the things that you guys did that season, and let's not forget special teams. Holy crap, talk about clutch. Every single unit on your team had something special about it where guys just made plays. And I, I got to feel that that allowed everybody else to feed off of each other. Well, you know, I think you're, you're exactly right. And, and when you say that, when you mention a guy like a Chase Blackburn, you know, who might not have been the most popular guy, you know, might not have been the most noticed guy, might not have been the most talented guy, but I'll tell you what, there's no way that we win Super Bowl 46 without Chase. There's right. no way. And I just don't mean in the Super Bowl. I mean going to the Super Bowl, preparing. Chase was was Chase and Michael Bowley. You know, those are two of the guys that probably weren't mentioned the most, but two of the biggest keys to our our, our success as a defensive unit. Um, you know, that making that run because those guys, you know, they're in the middle. They're the head honchos. The front doesn't work without them. The secondary doesn't work without them. And, and, and not just their athletic ability alone, but when I tell you like we were all on the same page at the same time, I don't think I've ever been in sync with a linebacker as much as I was in sync with Michael Bowley that year. It, it, it was phenomenal. You know, we still talk about it to this day of how in sync we were because, you know, we just looked at each other and we knew exactly what each other were thinking. And that's exactly what we needed because sometimes we're not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to hear him on the field. He's not gonna be able to hear me. But if you're in sync and you know what your brother is thinking, that's all you need. Or, or when you have accountability of a Chase Blackburn that he's gonna cover, you know, the best tight end in football all the way up and down the field, whether he's hurt or not, that's a, that's a confidence that we have in Chase. We knew he gonna get the job done. You know, he, he, he excelled. He, he, he exceeded our expectations and when you find guys like that, that's when you know, okay, we're ready to ball. Oh, we got something special. And both of those guys were, were, were key unit, key 
were key uh, components to to that that defensive unit. You know, when, when you mentioned earlier the Jets game, you guys beat the Jets, and Cruz had that 99-yard touchdown catch and run, which is still obviously a record. And then you just beat the living stuffing out of the Cowboys at home. How much momentum at that point did you think you had? Because going through the postseason intro, you guys probably figured you were going to have to go to Green Bay and you might have to go to San Francisco. And I'm sure a lot of people thought you were going to wind up playing the Patriots too. To a lot of folks, that would have been a gauntlet. I just remember the the momentum, though, that you guys had. I, I didn't think anything was going to stop you. Well... The way we the way we looked at it, honestly, and the way we approached it is, we can care less who the opponent was. It was it was more so about us. It was more so about what we wanted to get done and how we needed to get it done as a unit. The the person on the other end, to us, honestly, was irrelevant. Don't get me wrong; we knew that they were talented teams. We knew that they were uh, dominant teams. We did we didn't we didn't put anything past them but the fight wasn't in them the fight was us the fight was getting everyone off the sideline and getting everyone in practice you know not having guys lingering and nursing injuries when they can go out there and, and be with their brothers on the actual green on that turf that was the number one priority uh second of all you know we just had to make sure that our mind was right we had to make sure that we were doing everything on and off the field and holding each and every one of us accountable to one another. Then we worried about the game. We focused on the game plan, which our coaches did a phenomenal job each and every week with a game plan. Like, I, you know, it, it was, you know, we've always had pretty good game plans. You know, whether we execute them or not, you know, we had some, we had some really, really good coaches on, on both sides of the ball. But defensively, I can only speak about defense. We had game plans where we honestly knew plays were going to happen before it even happened. You know, um, for example, San Francisco, when, when Vernon David beat me for a touchdown, I knew that play was going to happen 120%. That was just me having bad eyes looking into the backfield. So that was 100% on me and nothing to do with the coaching because I knew that play was coming 10 times out of 10. You know, it was just... One of those things, you know, where you have a lapse in, in, in your defensive coverage on my behalf, not on anyone else, but on my behalf. But I was overly prepared for that play. And once that play happened, I told Coach, listen, I got it. That's my bad. I'll fix it. And he never said a word to me. He just kept his game plan, and we were successful after that. But that was on me. We were overly prepared for each and every single game. Along with us having the chemistry, along with us having everyone healthy, we had a phenomenal game plan each and every single game. Well, in that first game, you hammered Atlanta at home. I mean, defensively, you didn't give up any points. But but the Green Bay and the San Francisco games, I'm curious, Antrell, in retrospect, the fact that you lost to them with really close games earlier in the year, games that went right down to the wire, do you think that you guys benefited more from those regular season matchups against those teams and then we're able to use that as part of the preparation or as part of the emotional edge to beat both of them in the playoffs? Uh, no, to be honest with you, I don't think, I don't think playing them earlier in the season had anything to do with it. I think if anything, it just had us more prepared for the team that we were about to face and knowing that they were, uh, you know, a, a pretty damn good unit, you know, um, as far as 
playing them early in the year and giving us uh, some sort of advantage or um, no, I, I don't think so at all. I think that we were just in a different space, you know, as a unit. We were in a different, we had a totally different mindset. We were, we were determined. <laughs> like I tell you, it, it didn't matter who, it didn't matter who the, who the opponents were. We were determined and we were determined to win. We were determined not to only go to the Super Bowl, but to win the Super Bowl. Um, going there just wasn't enough for us. And, um, I think that once we understood who we were as a team and we understood that Tim was our leader and we understood that everyone was going to ride behind him and give a thousand percent effort, you know, behind him, you know, I think at, at, at that point in time, we weren't going to be stopped. Yeah, I don't care who was in front of us. We weren't going to be stopped. And that was our determination. That was our only mindset is going in, being focused. Our practices were crisp. Our practices were sharp. Some of the fastest practices I've ever been a part of. Um, but we did what we had to do, you know, and, and we weren't going to be perfect. There were going to be some plays being made on the other end, of course, because we were playing phenomenal teams. But with all being said, we stood our ground and, and we stood it well. You know, one of the hardest games I've ever played in my 11 uh, year professional career was in the championship game against San Francisco. Man, man, that was a, that was a hard and brutal and no guts, no glory game due to the fact that they had a kicker that can honestly kick half of the field and make it. So as a defense, our only objective was we can't let them get past the 50. <laughs> we can't let them get past the 50. And that was our only objective. So, you know, the offensively, I mean, my gosh, I, I didn't think that Eli can take any more damage and, and punishment than he did that game. And I kept saying to myself, oh, man, he's done. He's done. Like, he's not getting up. That's too much. And every single time that that, that dude with that number 10 on the back of his jersey would get up, he would fix his shoulder pass, he would fix his jersey, and he would come out that thing swinging. And that's when I honestly became an Eli Manning fan. I always loved this game. I always appreciated him as a teammate. But that game made me a fan to the point where I could look up at him and I could honestly glow because I knew that he had that dog in him. I knew that he was relentless. I knew that he was willing to withstand and do anything and stand in that paint in order for us to be victorious. And when you have a guy like that on your side, how can you not go out there and give him your all? How can you not go out there and exhaust yourself? You know, and, and, and I think that's what it was all about, you know, just riding for the guy next I love that you just said that, Antrell, because that 20-17 that to 17 overtime win in San Francisco is going to be in everybody's memory banks forever because it truly was a steel cage match. But the pounding that Eli took, and for those people who keep saying that, oh, he was so methodical, he was so calm, he was never emotional, how could you get a spark from a guy like that? He shrugged his shoulders after an interception. But but what he showed you guys on the field that day was so inspirational, I think, to everybody who understood what kind of leader he really was. Listen, you know, um, if, if, if we all had, you know, that, that, that God's eye, right, that can say, okay, we want this guy to be like this, or we want this guy to be like this, or we want him to have this type of build, or we want him to have this type of look, or we want him to have this type of demeanor. You know, then we were all with all would be different creatures. We all would be different. You know, I, I would, you 
know, maybe shrink my ears. I would maybe give myself three more inches of height. I would maybe, you know, give myself a, a four, four, one speed in the 40. We would all be different. But you know what? We don't have that capability. So, you know, his look is his look. His demeanor is his demeanor. That doesn't, that does not tell us who he is on the field. That does not tell us who he is as a person and what type of leadership he possessed because I've seen it firsthand. I know he's a leader. I know that that dude was a dog. You know, is there times he's going to get brought up? Of course, as well as 31 other quarterbacks in the league. I don't care if they're built at a genetic pickup. doesn't matter what look they have on their face. I've seen every quarterback in the league get rattled. It doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, when we needed him, he was there. When we needed him to go out there and be that rugged Eli, to not to put himself on the line, to put his body on the line, he was there. He did that. So people can say whatever they want to say. At the end of the day, you call him Mr. Two. Two MVPs, two Super Bowls. That's what you call him, and that's what you address him as. Because he is that person and he's that guy. So it doesn't matter what anyone says. What matters is what the other 52 men in that locker room thought and how we see him. And I'm pretty sure that's the only thing that matters to Eli because he wanted to be accountable for his teammates. And he did just that. Limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. You told me a minute ago that defensively you felt you couldn't let San Francisco get across the 50. That would be a key to winning that game. What did you think personally the key to beating the Patriots was going to be? The key to beating the Patriots, in all honesty, we knew it was going to depend on our front line. We knew that it was going to depend on our front line. It didn't matter who we had in the secondary. It didn't matter who we had a linebacker. It was going to depend on our front line. And the reason being is that Brady was that good. And he's that good of a player. He's that prepared. He has that much of that Michael Jordan just dog mentality in him that we needed to get to him. We needed to rattle him. We needed to make him uncomfortable. And in order for that to happen, it was going to take our front line. You know, and then everything else has to fall in place after that. We have to be extremely disciplined in the secondary. You know, we can't give up any plays. You know, we we have to make him think, which we weren't going to never fool him. Our game plan wasn't to fool Tom Brady. Our game plan was just to be as poised and as disciplined as we can be within the linebacker and secondary unit. It wasn't to confuse him because we knew that we really, he's not a guy that you can really confuse. He's seen it all. He's been through it all. He's done it all. So what you can do is play better defense than they play offense. And that was our only objective. But our front line got after him. They made him uncomfortable. They rattled him at times. And that was going to be our only, our only chance at success. And that's exactly what happened. Now, at one point during that game, you'll remember, he did have the, the 16 consecutive completions, which did set a Super Bowl record. But on the scoreboard, 
they could never pull away from you. And I wonder if Antrell, that as that game was progressing, even though he started to get a hot hand there, you guys felt as though as long as they were in reach, you could you could keep that game within reach, that Eli would have a chance to pull it out. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Listen, we knew first and foremost that we weren't going to just completely shut Tom Brady out. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, listen, we knew that. he The guy is too much of a dog, and they had, honestly, uh, so much talent in each and every position. We knew that we weren't going to just completely just handcuff him. But what we knew that we had to do was keep the game within reach and do the best that we can to keep them under 21 points. You know, that was our goal, to keep them at 17 points or fewer. That was our goal in the game. And we knew that if we did that, somehow, some way, we would be victorious. And that's exactly what we did. Um, you know, we, we played. We didn't give up too many of the big plays. Uh, you know, we played within our scheme, and everyone was on the same page at the same time. And, uh, you know, listen, special teams – Offensively and defensively, that's where the team unit comes into effect and knowing that we need everyone in order to be victorious. I'm going to ask you to take me through the final couple of minutes now because Bradshaw falls into the end zone for the touchdown, and we all know the story about how initially the idea was not to go into the end zone to try to milk more clock. But he falls into the end zone, there's 104 to go, and now the Giants have to try to hold on to a 21 to 17 lead, and Tom Brady's getting the ball back. Uh, and Trell, he did convert a fourth down during that series, but I, I'd love to, to ask you if you could recall what was going through your mind from the point Bradshaw fell into the end zone to give you the lead. Um, well, to be honest with you, the only thing that was going through my mind was just, you know, get my nerves under control because I was extremely nervous um, to the point where it felt like I couldn't stand up. Um, we knew that this was a moment that he lives for. And we had to be, we had to go out there and be dominant. My thing was to be as physical and as annoying as I possibly can be in a nickel position, you know, trying to uh, take Russ Walker off of his game because I knew that that was his security blanket. Um, our D-line, they got after him. You know, they made him extremely uncomfortable. And it was just our job to go out there and do what we've been doing all game, which is stay poised, play within the scheme, and more importantly, more importantly, be distant. Don't give up the big play. That was our number one thing: is not to give up the big play. Make it very hard for him. If he's gonna win, you're gonna have to make it hard. He's gonna have to earn it. And more importantly, he's gonna have to go. He's gonna have to go out there and get it. And we weren't gonna give it up. You know, that was our thing as Giants. We weren't gonna give it up, and everyone did what they wanted to do. And what we needed to do and play within the scheme. And like I said, all game, our defensive line had to go at him. And that's exactly what it did. They made him very uncomfortable, you know, very hard to accomplish certain things. And, uh, you know, we came out victorious. You know, we, 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 we stood, we stood strong in the paint. So he got them to midfield, and I remember the final pass, the Hail Mary pass, which did reach the end zone. And quite honestly, there were a bunch of people in the end zone, Antrell. How long did it seem like that ball hung up in the air before it finally hit the ground and you knew that you had won the Super Bowl? Listen, according to me, I think that the ball's still in the air. (laughs) I think it's still in the air. Like, realistically, I think it's still in the air. I mean, listen, like I say, that, that last play was probably the most nerve-wracking play I've ever had in my 11-year career for the fact that I wasn't really back there. I was up I was up close, and it just felt like, oh, my God, like, 
he's not going to get this. Like, he's not going to get it. But then I also knew it was a possibility that he could. And, you know, just running that way, I remember trailing. I remember trailing Wes Walker and running down there. And I remember just seeing Kenny Phillips and Deion Grant jump. And I just remember seeing them hit that ball. And I also remember seeing Grunk come to the left side of me and the ball going that way. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I just remember with the burst of speed just exploding and just running to Gronk and honestly, like, trying to punch the daylights out of him so he just wouldn't catch that ball. And, you know, good thing he just didn't catch it. But if he would have caught it, that ball was going to come out some way, somehow, because I was right there to make sure that it was. And, uh, you know, we, we, we came up victorious, and that's all we can ask for. You know, we, we were Super Bowl 46 champs. Um, no one gave us a, a shot in hell, you know, going into the last two games at 7-7. Seven seven. Um, but we did. We gave ourselves that shot, and that's all we needed to do. How many times have you watched that game since that time, if at all? I, I've talked to other guys who have won a Super Bowl who have said to me they've never actually watched the full television copy of the game. Well, you have another guy here that's never watched. I don't think I've ever watched five minutes of that game. Why? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I, listen, after that game, I just remember being so exhausted to the point that I couldn't celebrate, being so exhausted to the point where I was hoarse, I couldn't speak, and just honestly, after the game, going up to my room and just falling asleep, I, I was exhausted. I was on my oil light was blinking I had nothing left I had nothing left to give nothing to celebrate nothing to be happy about I just knew that we won the game and that's all I cared about I didn't care about a ring I didn't care about bragging rights I didn't care about any of those things I just cared about winning the game that's it and I had nothing left I had honestly exhausted myself to, to full capacity, I was done. I was done. Well, that's a heck of a way to spend your energy, right? <laughs> no, I, I, listen, I'll do it a million times again. And that's the reward. I'll do it a million times again. Well, I'm going to assume that at some point during the celebration of the 10-year anniversary, uh, you may get a chance to watch it or, or maybe even watch part of it. Is there any part of that game that you're curious about, that you'd like to see again? Maybe it would be Mario Manningham's catch down the sideline, or maybe it would be the pick by Blackburn. I would love to see Mario's catch again. Um, I think I might have seen that play a couple times. You know, just <laughs> shown it for highlights and so forth and so on. But um, that was a play where, honestly, offensively and defensively, both plays were absolutely perfect. The throw by Eli couldn't have, it couldn't have been any better. The, the, the concentration and, and, and the feet work and the footwork from Mario Manningham, it, it couldn't have been better. The catch couldn't have been a better catch. The defensive play from the safety, the way he broke on the ball, it couldn't have been a better break. That was just great offense beating great defense. And that's all it was. Which one of your teammates do you think you might be the most anxious to see at the reunion, and what might you say to him? Uh, one would be Justin Tuck, um, because I knew he was hurting. You know, I, I knew he had some some serious injuries. I knew he was hurting, and 
him and I had a conversation going into this run, and he knew that I needed him out there with me. You know, I couldn't do it alone. I couldn't leave the defense alone. I needed him with me. And he, he understood where I was coming from, and I think um, the, the mix of both Tuck and myself makes a great, you know, captain unit. Because you know I'm a little on the wild side. I'm a little, I'm a little edgy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a little edgy. So sometimes I need somebody to reel me back in from time to time. And, and, and he was that person. You know, he was that person to reel me back in from time to time. You know, I, you know, Tuck was a little bit country. I was a little bit rock and roll. You know, that's a, that's just an expression. But I needed him. You know, I needed that dog on the field with me. I needed that present. I needed that leadership present with me. And he was that person. Like. If, if he wasn't there, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. Man, that defense isn't the same. You know, and, but I knew he was hurt. I knew he was hurt. But I also, he also knew that I needed him to deal with me. I needed him to ride with me. It wasn't going to be done without him. So, you know, we got that understanding. And then, you know, just, you know, probably on the offense side of the ball, Eli, you know, just to tell him, thank you. Um, you know, thank you for being for him, for him being him. You know, thank him, thank you for being that relentless, gutless guy that we needed going down to San Fran. Because I'll tell you one thing, and, and I said this in the interview recently that I did. You give me 31 other quarterbacks, and I think that's a different game. You give me 31 other quarterbacks, and I think we lose that game. I think for some reason that Eli is the only person that would have came out of that game and led us to victory. I could be biased in saying that, but that's what I truly and that's what I honestly believe, that Eli is the only person, the only person that would have gutted that game out. Our thanks to Antrell Roll for his memories of the 2011 Super Bowl champion Giants. You can find the show and our entire podcast network on podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Until next time, I'm Paul Dottino. So long, everybody.